The joint Sunday school class, I felt like maybe I could just get up here, say, Jesus loves you, say amen, and send you all to lunch. I'm not sure about you, but I feel like I've been to church today. Amen. Such good worship. Thank you, worship team, for that. Now, speaking of the women's conference, I do have to, I have to make a comment. I have, because of the women's conference this weekend, been living with my wife, my daughter, my niece, my sister, my mother, and a female cat. I have been wrong all weekend. <laughs> I have been the chauffeur and errand boy all weekend. But uh, I do have the privilege of having my mom and sister. Raise your hand, ladies. That's my mom and sister. So if you want to meet them, talk to them after service, they have plenty of stories that they are, listen to me, more than willing to share with you about me and my wife. <laughs> but we're blessed to have you guys. We've heard nothing but good stuff about the women's conference. Uh, but after sitting in Sunday school this morning and hearing all the good things, I started praying. I said, Lord, help me be able to give them something that, that's going to be able to be substantial um, because I've heard nothing but good stuff, and you guys have just been in church today, and it's, and it's awesome. I'm really glad to hear that. But if you're guest today, um, I want you to let you know that we have been in a series. Um, it's been a longer series. Today is week nine of an 11-week series, and we've been talking about God's Big Ten. Uh, we've been in the Ten Commandments. So if you have your Bibles, go with me to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20, and you will see the Ten Commandments there. And today we're going to be looking at verse 15, which says, You shall not steal. You shall not steal. And I put up the title of this sermon, It's Not Yours, but I thought about putting on there, It Ain't Yours, and I didn't want the grammar Nazis in here to correct me for that. So I put, It's Not Yours, but, but church, listen to me. It ain't yours, all right? It's what scripture says. It ain't yours. No. Scripture says you shall not steal. But before we go on, I do want to go, go over a little bit of a review because nine weeks, that is a long time uh, to be, be in one passage of scripture. But let's review them, shall we? The first commandment, you shall, not, you shall have no other gods before me. God should be first and foremost in our life. And God takes it so seriously that he says, I don't even want you to make idols that resemble me. He says, there's nothing that should come before me. Nothing. And God is so holy and so merciful and so amazing and almighty that even his name is to be honored and held righteous. We should never misuse the name of God, either verbally by taking his name in vain that way or calling ourselves Christians and living otherwise. There are multiple ways that we can take the Lord's name in vain. And God is so amazing and so righteous that we should remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. God is so amazing. He says, look, I want a day set aside specifically for me. And there's multiple things in there. You know, we're supposed to labor for six days and we're supposed to rest on the seventh. But even on the seventh, even in the midst of resting, we're supposed to give it to God. And if you've never noticed this before, what's interesting about the Ten Commandments is that you will see that the Ten Commandments are broken into two sections. The first four commandments are how we are to interact with God. How, we're, how our relationship with God's supposed to be. And then the last six commandments, God, is, is, he says, look, you've got to learn how to take care of other people. I, I need you to treat other people a certain way. And so he bridges the first four and the last five by saying, you've got to take care of your parents and you need to honor your father and your mother. Because your father and mother, they're the first people that you see God through. They're the first people that teach you how to interact with other people. And they are your parents and you need to honor them. And so God says, look, how you interact with your parents, I need you to focus, I need you to pay attention because now this is how we're gonna interact with others. And he says, you shall not murder. 
But there's more than that than just murdering. He says, look, I need you to value life. All life is precious. And we talked about some very tough stuff on that sermon. I know we covered a lot of that. We're not gonna get into it right now. But he says, look, all life is precious and I need you to value it. And then God says, when you interact with others, it's not just other people outside these walls. I also need you to focus on your family. And he says, you shall not commit adultery. And, and, and if you notice these commands, what you'll see is a lot of these commands deal with the condition of the heart, right? Because adultery is terrible, the physical act of it, but if you talk to people and you do studying about adultery, what you will find is, is it happened in the heart and in the mind long before they actually t- uh, acted upon that. And Jesus takes it a, you know, a step further. He says, you shall not commit adultery. Look, I don't even want you to view them in that way. Don't lust over them. Don't even think of them in that fashion. He says, because it starts in the heart long before it starts in the mind. And so Jesus then continues on. He says, look, you got to value life. You have to value your family and your marriage. And now here's what I need you to do. I need you not to steal. It's not yours. Don't take it. On October 14th, 1994, Eric Morris was pushed to his death from the 14th floor of the Chicago high-rise. Pushed to his death from a Chicago high-rise. You wanna know why? Because he wouldn't steal. Two boys, ages 10 and 11, insisted that this little five-year-old Eric steal some candy for them. And they kept telling him, Eric, we need you to steal this candy. We need you to steal this candy. And little Eric said, no, I know stealing's wrong. I'm I'm not going to steal. Stealing's wrong. I'm I'm not going to do it. And so the boys became very angry with Eric and took him up to their clubhouse. It was an empty floor on the Chicago high-rise where the boys would go and play because no one lived there, and the construction had stopped, and it was just completely vacant. So the boys would prop the door open and make that their clubhouse. They said, oh, Eric, yeah, you know what? It's okay that you're not going to steal. Come here, come here. Let's show you our clubhouse. And because little Eric wouldn't steal candy for them, they pushed him out the window. All because he wouldn't steal. You see, we read this eighth commandment in Exodus chapter 20, verse 15, and it says, you shall not steal. And as we've gone through these other commandments, right, some of them really hit home, some of them really personal, and and a lot of us can take the breath of relief on this one, can't we? We can sit back on on Sunday morning, right, we've been in church, some of you have been in church since nine o'clock this morning, and you can sit back and think, oh my goodness, I can close my eyes because I don't steal and I don't take what's not mine, so the preacher can talk and I'm going to sleep, right? Because we don't have thieves in here, do we? Right? Not that we're going to admit, not right now at least, but a lot of us can, can, we can, we can take a breath of relief and think, Okay, I'm not guilty of this one, I'm good. But some of us in here have been victims of theft, haven't we? How many of, in, how many of you in here have ever been robbed before? That is a lot of people raising their hands right now. A lot of people have been subject, either you, either you were robbed, your car was broken into, maybe your car was stolen, your house was broken into, and it is a terrible thing. I know when my car got broken into and my wallet was taken, it, it's devastating, isn't it? Because that's your stuff. That's your, you worked hard for that stuff. And when somebody breaks in and violates that, 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 that privacy and terrorizes your things and takes it, I mean, that hurts, doesn't it? That doesn't feel good to have your stuff taken. Uh, one day, a, a couple, I was reading a story 
about a couple who came home, and in the mail they had anonymously received a, a couple of NFL tickets, and they were playoff tickets pri- right on the 50-yard line. Oh, they were so excited. They said, this is amazing. They were big NFL fans, and they had anonymously received these tickets, and so they started asking around. They said, hey, did you give us these tickets? They were calling friends and family. They said, look, these are prime time tickets. I mean, these are amazing. This is right during playoff season, and they said, these tickets are, I mean, these are what people want. And they were just gifted to us. Did you give them to us? And they said, all their friends and family said, no, absolutely not. No, we couldn't afford those tickets. Why? If we could afford, afford them, why would we give them to you, yeah. right? <laughs> I mean, everybody was denying it. They said, no, we didn't give And they were, can we have them? They said, no, no, we're going to go to the game. And so they were very optimistic, though, as they loaded up in the car and headed to the game that when they got there, they were going to see some friends or maybe a family member sitting in the seat next to them. And they get to the game, and their seats were there, and they sat down. And they got their hot dogs and things. They started watching the game, but no one they knew was there. And they said, well, we're already here, and it's playoff season, and this is our team. We might as well watch them win, right? So they stayed through the game only to find out when they got home, their house had been completely ransacked and robbed. You see, that anonymous gift was from the robber who knew when the people would leave, knew how long the house would be empty, and knew when the people would come home. So they sent them those tickets, and when they, that couple came home, they realized their house had been completely destroyed. And some of you who raised your hand might have had a similar situation. And being robbed and stolen from is a terrible thing, isn't it? And when we see the, do you shall not steal, we scream amen, yeah, absolutely, and, and we think, okay, so that's, it's very, very simple, preacher, you don't got to spend a long sermon on this, but I want us to notice something. Stealing is not just armed robbery, it's not just shoplifting, it's not just carjacking. Stealing, it is the illegitimate acquisition of property, meaning it is taking or keeping anything that rightfully belongs to another. You see, when we think of stealing, we automatically think, oh, it's somebody breaking into my house, or oh, it's somebody busting out my car window and taking things out of it, taking all the change in my cup holder. Oh, it's somebody pit-pocketing me, right? But we have to realize it's keeping or taking anything that rightfully belongs to another. Many lives have been touched by theft, and millions of dollars are lost every single year in this country over theft of goods and services. Theft of goods and services. We don't, we don't a lot of times think of stealing as that. I was reading some statistics this week, and it said one estimate says that one out of every 52 shoppers carry something out of a supermarket for that which they have not paid. One out of 52 shoppers steal. I mean, you go to Walmart any time of the day, there's hundreds of people in there. And if that statistic's correct, that means you're walking around with somebody who's about to steal something, if it's not you. Not accusing anybody. One out of 52 shoppers shoplift something. According to the U.S. Department of Commerce, four million people are caught shoplifting every year. But for every one caught, there are 35 others that get away with it. Four million cases, caught. But for everyone that's not caught, there's 35. Or for everyone that is caught, there's 35 that aren't caught. Meaning, there are 140 million incidences of shoplifting every year in America. 140 million cases of people walking into a store and saying, nah, you know what? This is mine now. 
And you know what's really crazy about it? As, you, as I kept reading those statistics and those numbers in that article, I kept reading about it, and it says, what, what's tragic about it is that 10% of all shoplifters come from low incomes. Only 10% come from low incomes. Listen to this number. 70% are middle class and 20% are classified as wealthy, meaning the people that do it the most don't actually need what they're stealing or don't need to steal. 90% of people are either middle class or considered wealthy, and yet they're stealing. And if you read the numbers, I mean, they're astounding. We could kind of take the assumption that America is a country of thieves. Right? I mean, if you read the, if you read the numbers, which is sad, and I know we've been to church this morning and we're all excited and energized and the preacher standing up here calling the country that you live in, your home, a bunch of thieves, kind of ruins, puts a damper on the, on the spirit this morning, doesn't it? That's my job. That's what I'm supposed to do. But anyway, I was reading, I was reading another number about, about a big, large hotel that had just opened. And in 10 months of operation, they had lost 38,000 spoons, 18,000 towels, 355 silver coffee pots, 1,500 finger bowls, and 100 Bibles to thieves. Many people are going into this hotel paying to be taken care of, walking out with things that just aren't theirs. We, can, we like to justify it, don't we? Well, I'm paying to stay here. That doesn't mean it's yours. You see, for whatever, regardless of the reason, I need you to hear me this morning, stealing is wrong. Regardless of how you cut it, you know, slice it, dice it, whatever, however you want to justify it, stealing's wrong. And if you read through Scripture, especially in these verses, God condemns it and he declares it as a sin. He declares it as a sin. He says, don't steal, because if you steal, then you're guilty of sinning. And some may ask, well, well, the Bible teaches that we freely share with others, right? We're supposed to freely share with others, so what's the big deal if I freely share with what other people have? I mean, come, come on, preacher. It's, Walmart's a multi-billion dollar conglomerate. I mean, we all don't like Walmart, right? I mean, who actually enjoys going into Walmart? My dad calls it the $100 store. He can't walk out of there without spending $100. I mean, what's the big deal if I'm standing in line? Like, I already got a cart full of $100 worth of stuff, and what's the big deal if I just put that pack of gum in my pocket? Ah, they're, they're not going to know. What's the, you really think, preacher, they're going to miss a $1.50 pack of gum? Ah, preacher, come on now. I'm just, I'm just a mechanic. I, my, my boss don't pay me what I'm worth, and I mean, they've got hundreds of tools and my screwdriver just broke. And I, they make me pay for my own tools. A lot of mechanics have to pay for their own tools. And my screwdriver just broke. And they got hundreds of them. What's the big deal if I just put one in my bag? What's, what's the big deal, preacher? Oh, come on now. Pastor, it's the teller's fault that she gave me the wrong amount of change. It, it was her mistake. She, she's the one that stole from the company, not me. I was ah, oh, preacher, you don't know what you're talking about. It's not my fault she can't use a calculator or ca cash register. It's her fault that I got the wrong change. You see, to get the gist of God's intent with this command, what we need to do is we need to ask three pertinent, pertinent questions. Okay, so if you're taking notes, now's the time to do it. Question number one is this, what's wrong with stealing? What's wrong with it? 
All right, we say don't steal, but what's the big deal about stealing? Well, number one, it devalues other people. It devalues the other person that you're stealing from. What you're saying is, is that they don't have enough value. They don't matter enough. I should take their stuff because what they have, they don't deserve it. It's, God's, it's our God-given right to have possessions. Okay? I, I want to say that this morning, right? We say, well, 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 money's the root of all evil. No, the love of money is the root of all evil. You're allowed to have things. Scripture doesn't say you're not allowed to have things. It's when we start loving those things more than God, which God already covered in his big ten, right? You should put nothing before me. I should be number one. So if you're not putting things before God, there's nothing wrong with having things. And, and, and I need you to hear me this morning. There's nothing wrong with people having more than you. I, I know we don't want to hear that. Well, well, preacher, they're, they're rich. They, there is nothing in Scripture, there's, there's nowhere in Scripture that has a Robin Hood mentality where, where just because you're poor, you have the right to take from the rich. No. If you read through Scripture, you see that God uses both rich and poor alike. And God says, look, it is, it, it, is, it is how you use your stuff that defines your character. If you love your stuff more than me, yeah, get rid of it. That's what God says. We, we see that time and time again throughout Scripture. God says, go and sell your things. Well, why does he say that? Well, it's because they're, 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 they're holding their stuff above God. So he knows in order for them to walk with him, they got to get rid of their stuff. But if you have stuff, you have a lot of money, but you love God first and you use that stuff for God, there's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with people having more than you. Because what you're doing when you're taking other people's stuff is you're saying, that person is so little, that person means absolutely nothing, they don't deserve it, I should take it. You're devaluing other people. Whenever that person could have used that to honor God, yet you don't think they're good enough to honor God, so you're taking it from them so you can honor God. Well, what you're doing is you're sinning, you're taking it from them, you're devaluing them. Number one, it devalues other people. Number two, it destroys our character. It destroys your character, church. It, you're, you're devaluing the other person, but you're also destroying your own character. Have you noticed that these commands are about the heart? God is saying, you ought to have a heart that loves me and puts me first in your life. Through these commands, he says, your heart ought to be so pure that obscene words won't come out of your mouth. He says, your heart ought to have such a deep abiding respect for your parents. Your heart should overflow with love that you never get angry or hateful towards another person that you would rob them of their character called into question. God says that your heart should be so pure that you never fantasize about sexual encounters or do anything to bring harm to your marriage. He's saying your heart should be pure. And then he gives us these commandments which are helping us develop inner godly character. He says you should never devalue other people because when you do that, you're destroying your own character. This is not about living according to some bunch of rules. The eighth commandment is about having a deep inner respect for other people to value them and not infringe upon their rights or harm them in any way. It all hinges on our character. If you rob from other people, if you steal from other people, if you rob from your employee, church, listen, you're destroying your own character. You're not punishing them, you're punishing yourself. You're right, they may not miss it, but is it really, is it really worth destroying your character over it? 
Stealing robs your self-worth, your integrity, your fulfillment, a sensitive conscience, which is all stuff that builds excellent character. Number one, it devalues people. Number two, it destroys our character. Number three, listen to me, church, it declares a lack of trust. Well, that person has more than me. That's okay. That's their season of life. Maybe God's trying to test you a little bit right now. Maybe he's trying to teach you something in the midst of this. Well, preacher, I don't like that, so I'm just gonna take from them. What you're saying is God's provisions aren't good enough in your life, therefore you have to take and devalue other people to make yourself feel better. You're declaring a lack of trust in God. To steal is to admit that God's provisions are not enough. Nowhere throughout scripture says finders, keepers, losers, weepers. It's not in the Bible, church. It's not. By stealing and taking things and keeping things that are not yours, you're saying, God, what you've given me is not enough and I know you're not gonna see me through so I need to take care of myself. That's what you're saying. I was reading some country lyrics. I like country music, so I was reading some, some country lyrics that I heard one time. And it says, once I wished upon a star that I could have a brand new car. I got tired of wishing, so I stole one. It's a country song. You see, what, what we say is we, 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 we preach and we come to church and we confess, Lord, I have trust in you. Lord, I know you're going to see me through. But then what happens is we get impatient. We get tired of wishing and waiting. We get tired of saying, okay, God, I trust you. So we say, you know what? I don't believe that God's going to do it in a timely fashion, so I'm going to take care of me. And we declare a lack of trust in God. What's wrong with stealing? Well, it devalues, destroys, and it declares a lack of trust, church. That's what's wrong with stealing. So what is stealing then? That's that's the second question. What then is stealing? And you might think it's a simple question, but there's more to it when you first meet the eye. Number one, stealing is taking or keeping anything that rightfully belongs to another. We understand that, right? That is what I like to call the Sunday school answer, meaning you take it for what it is, you don't dig any deeper into it. There's nothing wrong with Sunday school answers. I think they're fine. That's the right answer. Taking or keeping what belongs to others is stealing. However, we like to leave it there. That's it, right? Well, we might blame the mugger, the car thief, the pitpocket, or the robber, or the burglar as obviously breaking this command. What we don't like to think is, I break this command. But if we look into this verse a little bit more, we might think, hmm, maybe I am breaking this command. Have you ever forgotten, to, or have you ever chosen not to pay back a debt? I mean, isn't that, you, you borrowed the money, not giving it back to them, aren't, isn't that stealing? Ever photocopy copyrighted material? It's against the law. I'm not going to look up on this one. Ever lie about your child, child's age just so you can save money in an admission or a meal? <laughs> Think about it. It's stealing, isn't it? I mean, we lie about our children's age. Oh, no, they're only four. They get in free when they're actually six. I think about it, church. I read a story about an employee at Bell Telephone who came across the scene where an armored car had lost thousands of dollars in coins all along the highway. And the, 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 the trucker had tipped over, and they had lost thousands of dollars worth of coins all over the highway. And several other motorists, they, they, they stopped, and they, t- they said, this, we just won the lottery. And so they're scooping up these coins, putting them in buckets, throwing them in their car, and people are taking hundreds of dollars worth of coins home. And so this Bell telephone employee, 
He said, you know what? I'm gonna do it too. Everyone else is doing it. So he gets out of the car, he starts scooping it up and he's collecting all this stuff and then he gets home and he's looking at his bags of money and the conscience got the best of him. And so he went to the police department and he said, hey look, I stole from this truck that tipped over in the, on the highway, I wanna return it. And he did the right thing, he returned it and he got home and his mom said, you know what? Son, when you, when you first told me that you stole all those coins, I thought, man, I raised you better than that. And then his dad looked at him and said, yeah, well, when you returned those coins, I thought I raised you better than that. <laughs> you see, church, taking or keeping what belongs to others is stealing, but we can break that down. There's three things that I want to share with you that, we, that is considered stealing. These are the three big ones that I think that we can cover. There's other things that can fall into this, but the first one is this, taking or keeping from your employer is stealing. And I get it, right? The, your employer doesn't pay you what you're worth. I understand that, and I know that he's making a hefty profit from your labors, and they'll never miss what you're going to take, right? They're not going to miss it. Preacher, come on now. I'm allowed to borrow. They don't pay me what I'm worth anyway. Well, church, it may be just a stamp or a pack of gum or a used stapler, but that doesn't change the fact that it's stealing. American businesses lose over a billion dollars a year in employee theft of company property. Over a billion dollars a year is lost because employees take stuff from their employers. There's a Johnny Cash song, and he sung about a car that he built, bringing home pieces of cars over the several years. Remember, he said he put it, put it in his lunch pail, or he'd, him and his friend would carry it out together. And when he was done stealing from his employer, he had a 51, 52, 53, 54, 55, and so on and so forth. How many of you know what song I'm talking about? And he said, yeah, he said, it's the greatest car ever. And, you know, and according to his song, it sure wasn't. But church, listen to me. When we take from our employers, it's stealing. You see, we like to look at the obvious. Oh, yeah, you're right. Being a burglar is wrong. Well, stealing from our employers is wrong, too. Number two, taking or keeping from the government is stealing. And I know tax season's right around the corner. Actually, we're in the middle of tax season. Tax day is right around the corner. And I know preachers not supposed to stand up here and be political, and I'll be the first one to tell you, I don't necessarily like the way they spend tax money and the way they spend things, and I don't agree with some of the, the programs that they support, but that doesn't mean I should steal from them. Just because they're doing it wrong doesn't mean I should destroy my character. Do, you, do we always have to agree with it? No. By stealing from them, is that putting it to the man? No, you're breaking your character and you're stealing. If you want your voice to be heard, listen to me, go to the voting booth. There are ways that you can go around it and get things changed in the right way that won't destroy your character, but by, by withholding this from them, you're saying they're not worth it and you're destroying your character in the midst of it. You want it changed? There's a voting booth. There's legis legislation. There's ways that you can go through this stuff without destroying your character, church. Jesus said, give unto Caesar that which belongs to Caesar and to God that which belongs to God. In the same vein, Paul said this, render to all what is due them tax to whom taxes due. So on April 15th, our integrity is called into check. No one will know, right? Well, somebody will. Church, don't think I'm sitting up here. I, I don't agree with everything they do, but it doesn't give you the right to steal from them. Okay? And this last one, this is going to be the hardest one to talk about, but I need you to hear it. Keeping what belongs to God is stealing. 
keeping what belongs to God is stealing. In the Bible, we are called, in the, in the book of Leviticus, declared to give 10% of our profit belongs to God. Keeping what belongs to him is stealing, church. You're robbing God. You're robbing him from an opportunity to develop a ministry because the finances aren't there. I got a phone call several years ago getting asked about finances and things and the lady slammed the, door, slammed the, the phone down on me and right, right after she was done screaming with me, churches just aren't what they used to. The, the money wasn't there, I'm sorry. I, I can't, we live in a society that we have to have money. Scripture said in Malachi, it says, will a man rob God? Yet you're robbing me. But you say, how have I robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Church, I'm not standing up here as your preacher to tell you to pat my pocket. What I'm saying is God has called us to give to the storehouse, to give God what's God's. We've been called to do it, church. When we fail to return our tithe, we're stealing from God. Now, the New Testament doesn't actually command to give 10%, right? Well, preachers, you read the New Testament, it doesn't command to give 10%. Let me ask you this question. Why are you going to give less under grace than that was required under the law? Well, it doesn't say... Why are we going to give less under grace than was required under the law? Jesus Christ paid it all. Why are we robbing him? Because what he's going to do is he's going to use that to help reach somebody else. He's going to use that to help the poor, to help the widow, to help the orphan, to help the children. But through our own selfish ambitions, because, oh, this is, this is mine. Church, come on. We've got to give God what's God's. We've got to give in faith. We gotta give faithfully knowing that the church is gonna be good stewards of the money that's given and God is gonna work through them in order to make things happen to bring people back to God. And these are hard to hear, I get it, right? When, oh, don't steal, got it, preacher. Well, when we read it this way, mm, hurts a little more, doesn't it? And so the third question is this, well, how do I pursue honesty, preacher? You've already stepped on my toes enough. You've hurt me a little bit. Now how can I correct it? Okay, well, here you go. You ready? Number one, repent and make restitution. You got to repent, yes. We got we to ask God for forgiveness. You have to confess, Lord, forgive me for what I did, but y'all, we, we got to make restitution too. Look at Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a Jew who collected taxes for the Romans, and he was given a certain amount that he had to collect, and he had to surrender to the government. But, they all, but the Romans said, look, you're going to collect this amount for us, but you are free to collect however much you actually want, and you can keep the rest for yourself as payment for doing this for us. And so Zacchaeus, he took advantage of it. He said, absolutely. And the Jews, they hated him for it because it was legalized. He was allowed to do it, and they hated him until Jesus Christ came. Until Jesus Christ stepped into his life and there was an immediate response. He said, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. He repented and he make, made restitution. Church, we've got to do the same thing. If we want to have a pure, honest integrity, if we want to have pure, honest life, you've got to repent. It starts with confessing to Jesus Christ. 
Number two is you gotta make integrity a priority. The sins of a father has a negative impact on the third and fourth generations. We've talked about that over the past several weeks. And at the same time, the righteousness of a father carries to thousands of generations, church. Listen to me. When we talk about, you know, trying to save a few bucks here and there, and then we lie about our kid's age, or we put that in our pocket from our employer or whatever, listen to me. What you're doing, they may never notice, and they may never get hurt by it, but what you're just doing is you're destroying your own integrity. Don't allow that split second to do, we gotta make integrity a priority. Peter wrote this, he says, keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may on your account, or, or they may on account of your good deeds as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. We don't live in a vacuum. People see what we're doing, and we've gotta have good integrity, church. We have to have righteous integrity. Gotta keep it a priority. Number three is this. So we gotta repent, make restitution, make integrity a priority, and we gotta stop rationalizing it. You can't justify it, church. We can't. There's no way that anything that we say that we can make a wrong deed right. And we can convince ourselves, but you will eventually have to answer to God who made the commandment, you shall not steal. We can try to convince ourselves, but the reality is we've got to stop rationalizing it. Proverbs 21 says, the getting of treasures by lying tongue is a fleeting vapor, the pursuit of death. Proverbs 28 says, better is the poor who walks in his integrity than he who is rich through crooked ways. Stop rationalizing it, church. We've all got to stop rationalizing it. We've got to repent. We've got to have proper integrity. We've got to stop rationalizing it. And the last one is this. We've got to become generous. We've got to become generous, church. They say the reason most people steal is they are so preoccupied with their wants and desires that they forget other people. They say this is about me and what I'm going to get and they completely exclude everybody else and how it's gonna hurt them and affect them. The only, the only way to overcome that is with generosity. Instead of being concerned with what you get, be focused on what you can give, church. Become generous. Paul said in Ephesians chapter four, verse 28, let him who steals, steal no longer, but rather let him labor, performing with his own hands what is good in order that he may have something to share with him who is in need. Church, we've got to become people of integrity, and we've got to learn to be generous and give and share with others. That's what we've been called to do. And so church, as we come to a close, this is what we're ending on. It is my prayer that when people see us, they see people of character, that they see people of integrity, people that honor God. And when God sees us, there's no guessing. And so I'm going to end with this question. I'm going to end with this question right here. What does God see when he looks at you? I want you to take that question with you. Ponder on it, meditate on it. What does God see when he looks at you? Stand your feet with us, if you will.